Riley. And I'm Caitlin. And we're coming to you live straight from the hive. We've gotten a lot of feedback from our listeners that are interested in entrepreneurship and starting their own businesses and have asked us many ways and many times how we started all of this. So in today's episode, we thought we would take a step back to when we created Hustle and Honeys, our original side hustle at a much smaller scale than Honey and Hive is now and take you through the process of building up a side hustle, what it takes, and specifically go through some of the details of creating a marketing side hustle. And then in today's episode, we're actually going to start with our Reddit on Reddit. So I'll kick that off. So in today's Reddit on Reddit comes from r slash marketing. Um, it says, how exactly do you go about getting a start these days? I graduated from a marketing program and every post wants experience. I've gotten a few, res- I've gotten few, if any, responses. I'm in a pretty small area of Canada, so there's not a whole lot of job posts for marketing positions, but all of them want at least a few years of experience. How does one go about getting their foot in the door? Caitlin, would you like to kick us off? So you may have noticed that wasn't necessarily about social media management or starting your own social media marketing business, but we wanted to read that one specifically because we have actually been approached by people saying, it's so hard. Everyone wants to do this right now. What's a way to get started? And so we have told them in response, just start working in social media. Everyone typically knows a business owner or a very small business that they're very familiar with. Maybe it's a spot that you and your family like to go to a lot, your favorite nail salon, whatever it might be, just starting off on a very small scale and run their social media. It can be for free while you're in college or for free while you're working another job, but If really you're trying to gain those skills and that experience as well that other employees are looking for, you can create that mini version of a social media business, maybe not making money, but you definitely can make money from the very beginning and just build upon the skills and then also have tangible results to show future employers as well. So that's definitely what this entire episode is going to be dedicated to is how we got started with that. But if you're resonating with the fact that you're trying to get into digital marketing, don't know where to start, or you were pursuing a different career and want to move to marketing in general, this is a great way to get going. So this episode's for you. And we just want to put a warning out there. It's not easy work. So it just has every job, really, you know, yeah. you're going to run. It's not just going to be a breeze. But if you're naturally inclined to marketing, say you're creative, you have great ideas about how to reach an audience, you're a natural storyteller, it could come a little bit easier to you. But you are going to have to do a lot of testing, a lot of content creation, working a lot with customer and client management as well. So we wanted to just throw it out there because all the time we see, and we've talked about this a lot yes. already in the in world <laughs> what, episode five, you know, but this has come up a lot where you just see those social media managers on TikTok or Instagram saying, oh, I am a social media manager who works four hours a week and I work from anywhere in the world. If we only worked four hours a week, we'd have one client. <laughs> Run our marketing. <laughs> yeah, come on. Like, that's not what it's going to be like. So here's your little reality check. 
little slap in the face. This is going to be, um, it's going to be work and you're going to learn a lot on the way, but it can pay off in big ways. And I think another great place to start while like opening this conversation is that marketing is a very broad field. There are so many little niches and different aspects. Now, obviously, there's social media marketing, which we move more towards. There's very analytical marketing. And so I think something that you should probably soul search within yourself is what aspect of marketing do you like? A choice we made was to be more digital marketing generalists. So just positioning ourselves as a one-stop shop within digital marketing. And then we actually utilize experts who have chosen one direct path of marketing, whether that be SEO experts or PPC ads. Literally, like it would take us forever just to sit here and name all the different areas of marketing you go down. But I think a good place to start would be even just trying them out. I think that's in one of the episodes I talked about my previous job, I got to do a lot of different paths from the product side with copywriting and testing and social media, obviously, email marketing and writing and just try it out and get even if you can't find a small business work for as we were saying at the Reddit on Reddit, even just creating a mock portfolio and making up a company and figuring out what you would do for them and watching different videos. There's a lot of different ways to get a little bit of a taste of the different aspects before really diving in on one. But and that's why I think there's a beauty in starting in small businesses specifically instead Mm -hmm. of just diving straight in. I mean, it for larger companies, it's definitely very hard to just go and start fresh unless you're at the intern level. But with small businesses, you really have that opportunity to try all those different Mm -hmm. things because most of the time they're running their own social media. They don't have this is one of our value propositions to our clients is that we take off that load of work from their shoulders so that they can focus on all the other because I mean, They're their own accountants at the same time, their own sales team, their own HR team as well. So if we can take marketing off of them, that's I guess that's another thing that if you're looking to pursue this, that's a value add that you can provide to that. Miss, look, we get how busy you are, but in the small business world, they're doing it all on their own. So if you can offer any relief, it goes so far. Mm -hmm. I think we should talk a little bit about Hustlin' Honeys and how did we start off? Do you want to? kick us off what was phase zero like for us so for us we took a month to really ideate and nail down who we were who we wanted to be we created our brand and we were already in that aspect so then we had to look and say okay now how do we legitimize this how do we actually turn these google dogs and logos and everything all this nice stuff we had prepped into an actual company. One of the very first things we did was file as an LLC. We also made a decision that we wanted to start as an LLC. The partnership, it just seemed um, to be the most seamless choice for us. It's a pretty safe bet when starting a business, especially at our small level. And so I think it took me maybe 15 minutes (laughs) on the California Secretary of State's website, just had to enter in all of our information. I think there was a small fee, but it was something that sounded very daunting. Register a business, but it was so simple, like a couple clicks, a Google search, and we were registered. And then I think it took maybe a week or two, and we got the email from the Secretary of State saying that we were approved. Hustlin' Honeys was not taken. We already looked into that, and we were good to go. 
I think another piece of paperwork we had to file was our EIN. So getting our official number as a company that proved our working status. Like I said, it's really just like a quick Google search. It sounds scary and legalese, but it's all there. All the resources are there on your states. Usually I think it's the Secretary of State's website. They have checklists, small business resources, and they really lay it all out. So it's a pretty easy process, especially if you have all those details ready to go, like how we prepped before filing those things as like our... And if you're considering, do I even really need this? Mm -hmm. Can I save on the costs? First, it's, I think it was only $75. I think so. Yeah, yeah. definitely was, under 100 It was way less than we thought it was going to be. So that was, we were lucky in that sense that it costs relatively a small amount. But you really do need to file as an LLC and also your EIN for a few different reasons. So one for tax purposes, you need to be register to make sure that you're being taxed properly because you're audited and then suddenly like you're just attacked by the IRS. They don't want that to happen. <laughs> and then your EIN, you'll share that with all your potential clients as well, because typically all your clients will have vendors that they work with. They'll put you on a 1099 or they'll have you on your payroll as a contractor, but they need all this information from you to be able to pay you as a registered vendor of their business as well. So I would definitely suggest if you're up in the air, ah, I can just do this under the rug, it's fine. Definitely register if you are looking to pursue this long term. If you're just starting off in a social media management business, it might not be a long term, just really just to get that experience. Maybe it's okay because it's not like a long term. But if you're trying to build up, use it or use it as a side gig eventually to expand. Mm -hmm. Definitely get that started now so you're off and setting on a really strong foundation. And then our next point is that we start off really early by building a financial model. So what this included is we had a running tally of all of our clients, how much they were paying us for a month, all of the revenue that was coming in. I'm not an accountant, but... That one, there's like that one big sheet. <laughs> All my account friends are going to be like, Ugh. that one sheet has like revenue, expenses. I can't think of that. Right. P&L. Is it an income statement? Oh, profits and losses. Profits and losses. We took accounting. Yeah, we did. <laughs> two, two classes. Yeah, so profit and loss or an income statement, whatever. <laughs> so we had our revenue, then our expenses. So we can constantly be saying, in our expenses, that was all of our tech stack. What are we using for our business? How much are we paying ourselves? Just a disclaimer, we did not pay ourselves until we became Honey and Hive. We were doing that strategically because we wanted to save as much money as possible. And then our plan was to start paying ourselves at the six-month point. But the four-month point, we had to become a full-time business. So we didn't really get to that point. So it really just depends on what your expenses are. Ours include our salaries, intern salaries, miscellaneous tech stack. But then something that we did that was really awesome is we saved a percentage each month of all of our uh, income, profit. Yeah, all of our profits. So we saved a percentage of all of our profits. And that has helped us in the long run because our goal was to create a run rate. We've talked about this a little bit before, mm -hmm. but a run rate is really if all of our clients decided on one single day, nope, or say a pandemic happens. All of our clients are just like, we need to cut marketing. We have to save for our employees, blah, blah, blah we would be okay for two or three months with all of our expenses in order to build our business back up. Ideally, we don't see that ever happening, but 
we are very prepared yes. because you never know what can happen. I think for me, the biggest thing the financial model brings is just visibility and clarity. You never have to guess or worry. Do we have the money for this? As Caitlin said, we have money set aside for purchases. We have the savings set aside. And then on top of that, we're counting all that in as expenses, not just, oh, that savings is our profit. We look at that as an expense line so we can build our bank. And so at the very bottom of that sheet, we can see, you know, like what's left at the end of the day. Are we in the green? Are we in the red? Where are we projecting to be in a few months? We can look towards the end of the year. It's already Q2. The year's going by so fast. So we can project. Obviously, it's only estimations, um, but it just gives a clearer picture than trying to keep it all up here yeah. or just checking our Chase account and looking, <laughs> wait, where did that $1,000 go? It's all tracked. And then with that visibility, we were able to set trigger points also. Yeah. When we were looking to hire interns, we decided on, okay, when we make this amount of money or in the green for this amount of time, we can afford to bring on interns. So we would set that for raises or if we wanted outside help or subcontractors, setting those trigger points based on that financial model that had to do with all that visibility that we had. And then going off this conversation about money and profit and losses, another key thing to set while setting the foundation of your business is determining your pricing. And so this is something that we've continued to work on and adjust as we grow. But when we started, we basically took any service we can offer a client. As we've said before, um, we're very customizable with our clients. So there's not like a one fits all package, but we just took a look at everything we did and tried to determine the value of that service. And I'll be super transparent. It was very tricky. We tried to look at competitors and maybe what other people in the space were doing, which isn't the easiest to find. A lot of people don't like to put that out on their website like <laughs> we did in the beginning, <laughs> mistakenly. We did some other research. We used past experience of kind of what we were earning or like what others we knew were earning. And we just started pretty small, more on the conservative side, just as a new business, as new people. I didn't want people to say no. So I was there for four clients, really. We kept it pretty small and just waited to get more clients, especially we're starting as a side business. We couldn't put all of our time into these clients. So we just took it slow. And we, I think we both knew in the back of our head that as things ramped up, eventually we'd be able to raise those prices. And to continue on your point, I think we were in a headspace also of we were just starting for the very first time where we didn't really understand how valuable of a skill this was and how valuable it was to the client that we were providing it to as well. And so, of course, we undervalued ourselves. So I think that's a big lesson from mm -hmm. everything that we went through. And people have come and talked to us, too, like, how much are you charging for this? What do you think that we should do? And we're always happy to give advice. I, I think a good breakdown of it is think about how much time it takes you to do the activities that you're putting you're putting out there. And if you feel comfortable with that hourly rate, that's awesome. But add a little bit more to it. Because mm -hmm. honestly, if you're trying to start a business, it's not just about the money going into your pocket. So mm -hmm. how we typically view it or how we've been told and we've learned through mentors is that your rate should really be 3x. Because as business owners, if your goal is to eventually build your business, it's to hire on more employees. So if you are a freelancer, 
sure, that's just you. It's going into your pocket if you're like on Upwork and things like that. But if you're really trying to build an agency, you have things to think about the tools that you're using. Also, that needs to be worked into the cost as well. You have employees like our interns that are also helping us on these projects. And then just the business, of course, your pay as well, but then growing your business too. So there's a lot of different factors. So I would say if you're starting off, it's okay to be a little conservative Mm -hmm. to pick up some clients, grow your portfolio. Heck, if you want to even start for free, start do one for free to just have a portfolio. But then as you're starting to get validation from those clients and you're trying new things, you're testing out things and seeing, wow, that really works. Let me test it on another client. Then start really having, what is it? Start really um, worthy of your time. Start viewing your time as also an asset as well. So that needs to be consideration into the pay. But we've learned (laughs) from that point. We've learned, we've gotten the validation. We have the tools under our belt. And so we feel comfortable charging what we believe our worth is. Now we want to cover a few more uh, major topics when it comes to establishing your business. So a huge one is how do you even get clients? Obviously, with a service-based business, clients are the entire thing that's keeping you running. As we said before, we're our own bosses, but really we have 20 bosses because it's all about the client at the end of the day. So how do you find them? I think we've used a few different methods, which is really good because with, I guess you could call this sales in general, it's good not to put all your eggs in one basket and rely on one source for everything. But from the start, something that we use from Hustle and Honeys that we continue to use now is referrals and utilizing your network. So our very first client was actually Caitlin's aunt. No, <laughs> my uncle's girlfriend so kept it super tight and then after that we had some professional relationships we relied on to use their business so we started it really tight and honestly just now over a year into honey and hive are we really starting to look out and use some more outbound methods but we've been very lucky to be able to rely on our networks whether it be getting messages on social media or reaching out to our friends and family to just keep us top of mind, emailing people in our professional networks, going on LinkedIn and commenting, just really trying to remind people that we're running this marketing business because like you said earlier, everyone knows someone who owns a business. Everyone needs marketing. So if they're not happy with their marketing or they're not running any marketing, we just wanted to make sure they always remember us in the back of their mind. Oh, yeah, I know someone who does that. Um, And that's worked really well in our favor so far. And then another thing in the same realm of referrals and networks is finding a feeder is the term we use. So that's one person or group you can rely on to feed you clients. Like a common way people do this is by industry. Do you remember really early on, we got approached by yeah. a website designer. Yeah. And so he is more technical, like website like coding yeah. development. And he approached us like, hey, I don't do social media, but a lot of my clients need it. Do your clients need this? And we, maybe we could work together and pass clients back and forth. So different things like that. And in that same space, I think identifying it, 
if you're just doing social media, since we're talking about just being a social media management business, there are so many other spaces of digital marketing that you can rely on. For example, the paid ad experts that we work with. So we do paid ads as well, but we do social media management execution as a huge part of our business. So we've talked to him and we're working on developing this relationship on the referral kind of end of it for his clients. I just straight up asked him, hey, do you do a lot of your clients need social media work? He's, oh my God, yes, they do. (laughs) So I was like, send them to us. We're here for you. I'll send you our website. But we've been building this relationship. We've been working with him for about four to five months now. So he knows how we think, how we work. We can send him examples as needed. But just identifying there's, if you're doing social media, there's the paid ads, there's the website design, there's the email marketing, there's SEO, there's so many other different places. And then talking about industry specific, there are even, if you want to niche down on a specific industry, an example is real estate agents, for example, because real estate agents are individual people, even if they're working under one major company, they each have their own brands that they might need social media for. And so something like that or doctors or dentist offices, you can tap into these networks and target them specifically, especially if you start off as say a family friend is a dentist and you want to start off as a dentist for your social media. Then a lot of times things are really remote now and that's very normal. So if you can't find a dentist in the same competitor region as the dentist you're working for, you can go and find dentists in other types of regions and you have all this work in this portfolio specifically about marketing and dentistry to show them. So your personal network is a beautiful tool and we will say it over and over again. Post on your social media. Tell your friends. Don't be embarrassed. And if you feel like people are judging you for it, block them. Get them. (laughs) Block them. (laughs) It's a beautiful tool as well. Get them out of your life. They don't deserve to see what's going on with you. Never feel ashamed of it. That's how we get a ton interest in our business is we're just people looking to partner up with us or um, have a conversation with us is through constantly reminding people, hey, we're here. But if you do feel like your network isn't the strongest, there are other resources and options. Again, I think I mentioned another episode, but utilizing your chamber of commerce, it sounds so random, but we just joined San Jose's as we both live here. And there's so many resources for networking and meeting other entrepreneurs and business owners, sharing leads. They are pretty good about separating the industry. So so we'd be talking to a bunch of digital marketing owners as well, steal each other's, can steal each other's clients, different businesses outside of your chamber of commerce. There's different business networking groups, even on Facebook and LinkedIn. We're using some and women in business, other female founders. If you feel like your personal network might not have what you're looking for, there are so many people out there looking to network and share and help you while you help them. And then Kylie had mentioned we're trying to build up our sales engine at the moment. So I've learned from experience that relying on your personal network is not the best way to do things because at some point it becomes so draining and you become personally responsible for the success of your business. On the sales side, of course, you're responsible for what's going on. But if you bring on employees, eventually it's a matter of being able to pay for those employees, their salaries, their livelihoods, things like that. So 
it adds an extra pressure. So we wanted to make sure that we really had an established engine. So we're doing that right now. And one of the tests that we're trying to do is actually implying on job sites. Like indeed, some people that we've seen on social media from this space too are applying on Upwork and Fiverr. You have to start off at a lower point, but you can build your way up. That's actually how we found um, our paid ad expert. Yeah. And now he's charging the big bucks per hour. He's made over a million. His profile says he's made over a million dollars on Upwork. And that's, I think, the highest that they show on Upwork. But he's been on Upwork for about 10 plus years. So crazy. So there's a lot of potential in that also if you're really starting fresh and want to just find some stuff to do. Mm -hmm. um, but then we're also applying to contractor roles, remote roles, and positioning it as you may be looking for a full-time person, but we would really like you to consider an agency for this role because we're not like a standard agency. We're a team member. We're not going to be like, see ya, see you in a month kind of ah. contractor. So those are some other methods. And then we're trying to like build up actual cold email sales as a larger company would do. So those are a lot of different methods to get clients. A lot of testing and just figuring out what, what works. works. Yeah. So that's how we've been going about getting the clients. And Caitlin, do you want to touch a little on how we manage them once we're able to close those deals? Yes. I would say that client management is definitely one of our highest priorities here mm -hmm. because you know like how the saying goes, happy wife, happy life. That's how we think about it with clients. So when your clients are happy, it means everything. And honestly, when there's even an ounce or a, an inkling that our clients might not be happy, we raise the red flags, alarms go off, and we make sure that we are on it. Really, in talking through it with them too, what, please give us your feedback. Let's make an actionable strategy to fix whatever's going on. We haven't had a lot of that, but we have plans in place to make sure if that does happen more than maybe the one time it has happened, okay. we're ready to go because clients are so important to us. But some of the ways that we make sure we never get to those points, I, I've said it once and I'll say it again, Asana. So we have gone multiple clients onto Asana. And honestly, just having a generalized one-stop shop for our clients, they all have their own individual Asana pages, but we just have one project management software where you can toggle from client to client has been so helpful. And so some of our clients, we introduce it to them as more of an approval process. And then they decide, oh, wow. I really like this just for my business and I want to be more streamlined and have clear deadlines and things like that. And so we're like, let us show you how we use it, how we set it up. And then they take it from there. In terms of client management, having a great system and process to really make sure approvals are all in order. Everyone knows the steps of the major projects that are going on. And then if there's multiple cooks in the kitchen as well, making sure clear identified rules are there and expectations, that has really helped as well. This is a bit of a tangent, but while we're on the topic, I actually applied for Asana's... Oh my um, gosh. What's the... Uh, not an affiliate. Is it affiliate? I think it's an affiliate program. It's where you teach like people you how refer, to use it. No, you, oh, refer you refer it and get a kickback or something like that. And we got denied. <laughs> so this is uh, Honey and I's official call out to Asana that we have converted multiple people to be Asana lovers like us. And they denied us. I couldn't help but bring that up. 
the multiple times I've talked about This is going to be a reel. And we're going to tag us so hard But we still, we still love you. We still love you. We're still going to use you every day. But what loves you will break you sometimes. And then another thing we do to really, um, like you're emphasizing, just staying on top of those relationships is every single week we go through all of our clients and we just do a gut check of how are things going? Is this, is everyone happy? Are things moving forward? Outside of the one-on-ones we do with our clients, just taking a time internally to step back and amongst ourselves, the founders discuss how each client is going. Bigger picture is super helpful as well for just tracking that relationship building and making sure there are no red flags that we need to get on top of right away. That's a good thing to bring up because in our founders meeting, what we'll do is we literally have a spreadsheet mm-hmm. and it has every client in a week by week basis. We've color code them who's green this week who's yellow this week who's red this week and we haven't had any reds we're we're lucky in that way but we also have an internal status also because we want to make sure that we you know okay how is it going externally are the clients happy how is that relationship but also how are we feeling about it because we're at a point where we don't need to say yes to every single person that's coming along and if for our own mental health sake we don't want to keep on people that are really causing us so much stress at night because at the end of the day this is our passion and we want to be that is actually a really great point and something that has really kept us. Let's all have a check. It's an opportunity for us to talk about the client and get that transparency across the board because Kylie works on some clients that I don't work on and vice versa. And then also the internal and external status of it to make sure if we need to have a team meeting with that person or if we need to revisit a conversation about should we, is it time to leave this client? We could have those conversations. Cool. Enough about clients. We love you, but it's time to move on a little bit to our services. So do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Circling back to figuring out where you want to be in the digital marketing space is a great um, starting point. And then once you figure that out, you can really nail down the services you're going to offer. So just to start with what we do as an example, we really get a super high level. We keep everything at a three-pronged approach. So we have social media marketing as its own service, then digital marketing management, and then our design component. So while social media management technically can and does fall under the umbrella of digital marketing management, we chose to separate it and provide it as its own offering simply because obviously we're very dedicated to it. Our bread and butter really is social media management and then using the other avenues of digital marketing as additional services with social media being the core of what we do. But we also felt like with our experience, our expertise, that social media just really needs to be its own thing outside of just digital marketing management just due to the unique strategy and execution that it requires to do it well as its own service. So that was a choice we made. I'm sure other people package it all up the same, but that's how we chose to sell it. And then, as I mentioned, we also have a design component. So that's not technically within the digital marketing realm, but I think it really just came from us both having a passion for creating things. So That can be logos for new businesses, website designs, or refreshes of currently made websites. We'll do flyers, brochures, menus, really whatever the client needs. And we just have those available to add on. 
And basically how we sell our services to the client is we'll take a discovery meeting, talk about what they're looking for, what they're currently doing, things they'd love to implement but don't have the resources for. We take all of that knowledge and we just build out some beginning packages. So we'll combine they want to do organic social media and paid ads and emails. And so we'll give them three packages with three price points and three varying deliverables that increase as it goes up. And then we'll take the time with them to just Frankenstein them apart, take an email from here and replace it with a social post or however we want to do it so that they're happy with exactly what we're providing them. And we're hitting all those needs that they hired us for. And I think it's just helpful just to have those additional things we can add on just to ensure we're providing the most value we can. Because I think that's the main point we always go back to is just giving our clients the highest value when they choose to hire us. Because even as we grow, I think, as you said, we can be more selective, but every single client, I'm just like so grateful that they're trusting us with their brand and their company. So we just want to make sure in return that we're doing the best we can to check all of their needs. Just to touch on one of the biggest lessons that we've learned, especially if you're starting your own social media management company, just know that you do not know everything right away. And it's okay if you don't, because just like that Reddit question we read from the very beginning, if this is a means of getting your foot in the door, starting it off, learning a lot, just be open to that. Be very open-minded that, yeah, I might not be the best. I have an interest in this. I want to learn. And that's enough to get started. And so that's why we suggest starting off with maybe like a close family friend who has more trust in you, knows who you are as an individual, and then using that to kickstart the rest of your clients, because then you can build upon those skills that you had before to be that social media manager that some people might be looking for. And try to be actively learning as well, whether that's watching YouTube videos or looking at resources on HubSpot or meeting people and learning how they did things as well. People are very open to sharing what they did. We're very open as well. So you can always reach out to us. But I think that was a big lesson for us because imposter syndrome is very real and it really can take over and make you feel like you're constantly doubting yourself. You have a lot of anxiety about it. But if you have a mindset of I'm just continuing to grow, I'm confident in what I'm doing, I know I'm good at it, and this is a learning process, I'm going to keep growing from it, it makes things a lot easier. So to summarize, I think if you're starting off your social media management business, you need to start off with one year LLC. You need to have a good method for getting clients as well. I'm looking at her. <laughs> build your, you need to build a financial model, really nail down your pricing, client management tools, and then nail down what your services are, how you want to show them to potential clients as well. And Always remember that you're going to be learning throughout this entire process. And the goal, if your goal is to make this a full time gig kind of thing, just really keep working on it and we can help. It's possible. It is possible. <laughs> We're right here. We're right an example. Yeah. So we can give you some advice on that, or we can even make a whole episode on that transition. I know we've talked a little bit about it, but totally. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys again for listening and we'll catch you the next time we're live straight from the hive.